0: Nobody in my family is a Christian. I'm sorry about that. Have you tried talking to them? Yeah, I was going to tell my sister about Jesus one time, and she was downstairs using the computer. So I went down, and I was going to tell her about Jesus. But all that came out was, can I use the computer? I have a Bible verse about that. Would you like me to go get it? Yeah, that'd be a great help. Adrian! Did you hear that Kevin just wrecked a brand new Honda? No! Oh man, he had it coming! I knew this was gonna happen! He so deserved it! He is a terrible driver! He is awful! I think it's a bunch of when he bought that car! All he did was talk about that car! All the time! It was ridiculous! I'm glad! I hear you on that one, huh Well anyway, I have that Bible verse for you. 2 Timothy four two. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Okay. Amen. Hey, we're in the book of James. That's right. Also known as James. <laughs> you guys are on the ball today, James or Jacob, as we saw there before. Now, oh, go ahead and open your Bibles. Let's read our text. There, we're going to read once again verses one through three. Dare we dream? Can we get past that? Well, eventually, hopefully, prayerfully, uh, one through three. And uh, as we uh, first uh, take a little bit of a detour, if you will, I would say, to add to this emphasis, because I think sometimes it's hard for us to believe. Uh, Because the text that we're going to see, once again, says not just consider it joy, pure joy. He says uh, be constantly rejoicing. That's on a regular basis. So if we're going to be constantly rejoicing in every single one of our trials, I think we better get it drilled through our heads that God does, in fact, do something fantastic in every single one of them. That's how we can have the joy. But let's take a look there. Uh, Verse uh, 1 through 3 says this, uh, uh, or verse, uh, uh, actually, let's go through, start with uh, 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of how many kinds? various kinds many kinds because you know that the testing in your faith develops perseverance now perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature complete not lacking anything once again let me read to you what the greek actually says be constantly rejoicing remember that's a, that's a game changer just that one verb there constantly rejoicing consider it a matter listen to this For unadulterated joy without any admixture of sorrow Whenever you fall into the midst of variegated trials which surround you Well, how in the world do you do that? Knowing experientially that the approving of your faith That faith having been put to the test for the purposes of being approved And having met the test has been approved That this approving process produces, listen, a patience Which bears up and does not lose heart or courage under trials okay and again we've seen that the purpose for the book of james is pretty clear that when you take a look at the timing of this this is when this is the first new testament book uh uh written uh for us uh that james is authoring the earliest one and we see that the timing is the church is finally getting out into the world like they're supposed to and so james when you understand the timing i think you understand the purpose and the purpose is once again as the church is finally going out into the world is to do what you call we've been seeing is an acid test Okay, and everything that we're going to see in this book, one thing after another, it's not just a bunch of do's, not just a bunch of don'ts, it's an acid test for true born again Christians. Why? Because the last thing that you want as the church is going out in the world, even today is to have a bunch of fake false Christians going out there trying to represent Christ. Right? So James, the first book in the New Testament, right out of the gates says, here it is, because as we saw before, they already, if you read the New Testament, they already were dealing with false teachers coming into the church okay trying to do that trying to pollute it and James says the first acid test we saw there uh, so far the next one Lord willing is going to be a temptation and uh, but the first one is trials and the point was this it's not just do you make it through trials he says are you coming through your trials with joy okay are you still holding on to Jesus cross with joy why because we label ourselves as what kind of people Christians Christians okay we're followers of Christ right and so if we're truly a true born-again Christian, a follower of Christ, and we're at the moment of salvation, we're truly born again, we receive the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, as the scripture says, then I would say that he's going to give us the ability to be those followers of Christ. He's going to give us that ability to do what Jesus did, okay, by and large. Now, are we always going to do it perfectly? No, we, it's a process, a maturity, as we learn to walk and yield and live and keep in step with the spirit of God. And when we do that. Then we bear the fruit of the spirit of God. Okay. And this is one of them. Joy. Love. Joy. Uh, is the second one there. In the fruit of the spirit. But as Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. Then by and large a pattern of life for the Christian. Okay. If you're really a born again Christian. I'm not saying it's, we always go through it perfectly. But there's going to be something different. There's going to be something different in us as a born again Christian. When. Not if. Whenever we go through trials. As we saw, uh, that makes perfect sense, Uh, again, again, as James' premise, because you're going out into the world, and one commonality that we have with the world is everybody has problems, right? Christians, non-Christians, everybody's got problems, okay, as we saw there, okay? How we react to it as Christians is radically different. Now, he tells us some of the benefits there, and the first one that he says in the text there is, I'm telling you, this is something awesome, And he's going to give us that uh, wonderful thing called perseverance, okay, Uh, as we saw there. And he says, here's how you can have that joy. Remember, it wasn't just a little bit of joy. It was continual joy. And he says, the first thing that we need to do is realize, as we saw last time, is they are going to come, the trials, not just a couple throughout your whole tour of being a Christian. He said, many. As we saw, there was loss. How many guys went home and made some loss? Got some chips and dip and you did your thing, man. It was awesome. right, okay, that sounds like it. Fried butter? fried butter okay praise god bobby give it up we'll pray for your arteries later but uh anyway many trials okay all different kinds of trials okay and he says first of all you need to understand they're going to come and as the scripture also says especially if you want to live a godly life in christ see if you're not doing anything for jesus okay if you're just a lukewarm christian or a backsliding christian whatever and you're a dead fish floating down the stream just like the rest of society hey the devil's already got you he's going to leave you alone the moment he's going to come after you, Christian, is when you start living for Jesus and you're going up the grain, the stream of the culture, he's coming after you, okay? And he's going to come after you with trials. And he, he wants the trials to, to make a, a, a detour in your walk with Jesus Christ. But James says, no, even as a Christian, you keep going upstream and they're going to come and you're going to face resistance the whole way. But uh, you can still have joy because there's something wonderful. And that's what he says. We said there's a couple words that we pulled out there. And the first one was consider. And the next one is to know. Now, as we saw before, consider literally means, and I think this is how we can learn practically, well, how, how in the world can you do that? H- how can you have a continual joy, be continually rejoicing the Greek sin? Well, the first thing he tells us is to know that we need to look forward, okay? Remember, that's what considered literally means in the Greek there. We need to look forward. Forward to what? We need to look forward to the good thing that results as, uh, of this. And the first one he tells us is, here's a good thing, perseverance. So that we can become that strong, mighty, awesome Christian, not mature, not lacking anything, right? That's a good thing. So he says, you look forward in faith, not on your trial, but to the good thing that's coming, that's being produced by your trial. And then he says, don't doubt, because that's the word here, the gnosko, and that means, uh, it's translated no, but it means to know with an absolute experiential knowledge. I know this beyond a shadow of a doubt, okay? And, and, and that's what we begin the process. Let's then take a look at some different reasons why. Uh, God uh, does this so we can have that joy. Again, it starts with perseverance. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt, we are looking forward to this. Maybe this is why God is having me go through this particular trial at this particular time Because maybe he's trying to produce perseverance Maybe he's trying uh, to get me to be that strong mature Christian that will not quit That won't give up and keeps moving forward for Jesus We look forward to that We consider that with an experiential knowledge I, I do not doubt I've learned over and over again that God is the ultimate recycler I don't care how many trials I go through He always has something awesome Whoa! And that makes you full of joy, right? Now that was just one, that was the lead in just for one that God has given us. And we saw last time, uh, well, let's take a look at some more, okay? Because God, just as our trials are many, or pointy loss, and he gave us one good reason, I've learned that he has many different good reasons in our trials, okay? And we saw last time it could be to expose our sin nature, not just perseverance, to expose our sin nature, to keep us from becoming spiritually lazy. That never happens, huh? To cause us to be a blessing to others. And we left off to teach us that God is God and we are not. Is that important? Yeah, he's the one in control, man. Uh, He's God the last time we checked. And he's always God, uh, whether you check it or not. Okay, now let's take a look at the next good reason. And that is this. How many of you guys ever prayed something like this? Here's what God, here's something to consider. Here's something to look forward to. Here's something that you go, man, I know this beyond an absolute shadow of a doubt. Woo, thank you, Jesus. This might be what you're doing in my current trial. Make me more like Jesus. Anybody ever pray that prayer? Yeah, praise God. Yeah. Well, you know how it happens? You just lay there at night, and you wake up the next day, and ping, there it is. No, he shaped you through trials, oftentimes. Okay, open your Bibles. This is our first text, Ephesians chapter 4. Okay. Ephesians chapter 4. Okay. And uh, let's take a look there. Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, let's take a look at what he's talking about here and uh, what God's goal is for us as his people, okay? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And if you get there, say move. Got a couple move, not quite there. Move. here came another move. couple move. And uh, anyway, it says that it was he, okay, God, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, And some to be pastors and teachers as we saw in the wednesday night study man we hit this one hard it literally the conjunction there where it says and it literally means that is okay it's pastors that is teachers it really is a fourfold ministry not five because in the greek those two are tied together meaning that if a person is called to be a pastor then they're a teacher as well they're they're given the gift of teaching and you can flip that around if you don't have the gift of teaching then you don't need to be pastoring because they because as a shepherd uh uh, that makes common sense we're to feed and take care of and protect the the flock but we're supposed to feed them the word of god and you want a shepherd who has the gift of teaching doing that right and that's literally what it says so so notice it's god giving these gifts to the church and he's going to tell us the purpose of it there uh to what to prepare god's people to sit in the pew and make sure that with bobby and joe here on the front row in case a windstorm were to actually come up here in las vegas somehow through the sanctuary that pew would survive absolutely not why has god given these particular gifts to the church well it's to prepare uh, god's people for what works of service so that the body of christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of god and become what mature attaining to the whole measure and the fullness and who's our model christ okay that's the whole purpose uh, that he says there and, and what the bible clearly says to you and i is that god did not save us so we could get our fire insurance and then sit around on our blessed assurance and do nothing until we get to heaven okay god has given specific gifts and gifted people in the church to prepare god's people to become mature specifically what's the model the model was to become more like jesus before we get to heaven right now, here, here lies our problem. Most of us, as we saw it, I posed the question already. We prayed that prayer. So, oh, God, make me a little more like Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus. Jesus, I want to follow you. I want you to use me in a great way. I want When people see me, I want them to see you and so that they can get saved and draw them like a... You know, die. Okay, but see, we think it's going to come easy, okay? Did Jesus have to suffer just a wee bit? All right, and we're followers of Jesus. We just want to take that one, As soon as suffering comes in the path of following Christ we want to take that little detour okay we will oh god god take me over this problem oh god take me under this problem god take me around this problem god says uh uh-uh you're going through this problem but you're not alone i'm with you okay i'm going to teach you something wonderful okay and uh uh we're we're going to move in that direction okay but stop and think about this attitude if you and i could think that somehow uh that we can somehow just be more like jesus on our own first of all that's pride Second of all, why do we even need Jesus in the first place? If we can live the Christian life on our own without God's intervention, I'll be through trials to become that uh, uh, shaping force to be more like Christ, then what in the, why do we need Jesus, right? It's spiritual pride, okay? So here's what God does. Uh, he brings in a few uh, uh, trials to come across our path, and guess what we find out real fast? As soon as the trials hit, man, we just maintain our godliness. We're awesome. We speak just like Jesus. We act like Jesus. It's like, woohoo, this being a Christian's a piece of cake. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. No, what happens? Yeah, there you go, morning. And, uh, but no, we find out we fast. We don't have a knack on our own to live like the Savior. Uh, We've got a knack for sinning. Okay, we listen to that old man. Okay, and so, in fact, we learned that there's only one way ultimately to start getting rid of that sinful uh, uh, behavior is by God's purifying hand alone. Okay. He will allow this, uh, the trials to come so that we can again take a look at this crud and hopefully get rid of it. Uh, the, the Bible actually uses analogy that talks about, it. you might like this one, Mickey, okay, because it's another kind of a jewelry thing. And it uh, talks about a smelting furnace, okay, that God purifies our heart. Let me read to that passage. It's 1 Peter chapter one, verse six through seven. And he says this, he says, in this you greatly rejoice. Okay, great, again, here's, what's the theme here? rejoice and not just rejoice you 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 greatly rejoice now what what's his next phrase though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials there it is again so peter's saying the same thing james says hey listen consider pure joy i mean you should be constantly rejoicing whenever you face all these poinky loss that just keep pointing at you you know what i'm saying Woo-hoo, yeah yeah and peter says the same thing not just rejoice about this he says greatly rejoice when you when you suffer all kinds of trials why because he gives you the purpose god's doing something wonderful he said these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire may be proved genuine there it is again and may result in praise glory and honor when jesus christ is revealed now if you don't understand what's going on here in the greek text there this this phrase here testing by fire or refinement Peter is using the analogy of a smelting furnace, okay? And if those of you, other than uh, Mickey Investor who don't know what that smelting furnace was used for, uh, it was used to basically uh, to put in your raw ore, okay, uh, to melt the thing, okay, with heat on a, you know, after it was mined. And let's use gold, for example. And so once the raw uh, gold, you find a big chunk that's not ready to go, it has to go through this refinement process. You put it in the fire, okay, it was melted down, and the interesting thing is the more you applied heat to it and the more that it melted down, guess what rose to the top? And they still do this today. The, the jump, the impurities, right? Uh, the stuff that's not pure gold, it rises to the top. Now, there is a process that usually goes on that, that has to be uh, kept on the heat for quite some time because when you start it up, then here comes some initial impurities. Those are skimmed off the top, okay, with the impurities there. Okay, but as the fire continues to go on, guess what? Here comes still some more. And you keep skimming it. And apparently the, the technique was, when the, the guy knew that the refinement process was done, okay, when he could finally see the reflection, his reflection in the gold, the liquid gold. There's no more impurities clouding anymore. They're all gone. Now he's got pure gold. That's what Peter's talking about here with the trials, the fiery trials. Trials become that fire that God produces inside of us and he goes, get some crud out, skim it off. Oh, we ain't done. I'm keeping the in the fire for a little while. Here comes some crud. Wipe it off, get it off. Because he wants us to resemble Jesus Christ. So when the Father looks at us, okay, I see Jesus now. You see what Peter's using? Absolutely neat analogy. Kenneth Weiss, he says this. He says, Christian suffering, whether it be in the form of persecution because of a Christ-like life, and again, if you want to follow Jesus, Deal with it. It's coming. Okay. Or whether it comes to us in the form of trials and testings, which are a natural accompaniment of a Christ like life, such as illness or sorrow or financial losses, is listen, not sometimes. This is back to our word consider, look forward, no know, absolute knowledge. Is listen, is always used by a God of love to refine our lives. It burns out the dross. It makes for humility. It purifies. It increases our faith. It enriches our lives. And like the goldsmith of old, God keeps us in the smelting furnace until he can see the reflection of the face of the Lord Jesus in our lives. God, listen, is not, listen to this. God is not so much interested in how much work we do for him as he is in how much we resemble his son. You get it? Oh God, I did this, man. I served on this. I did this. I preached that. I shared this. I did this. Blah, 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 blah. Really? Did you speak like my son? Did you act like my son? Was your heart like my son? Was your mind like my son? Was your words and your behavior, I want to see my son in you. And what did Jesus do for us? What's the big thing on the cross? He took our sins. He, he sacrificed himself for us. He forgave us of most of our sins. All of them. He, he put up with us. He bears up with us. Anybody glad that God's patient? All right there's a good word in this uh, in the scriptures called forbearance we put up with one another have you noticed that sometimes people in church you got to put up with them you know what and as soon as you find out the people you got to put up with guess what you might not see the fingers yet but there's 18 other people pointing at you and me going i got to put up with you <laughs> it, it happens right that's right. well yeah and so we'll just keep turning the page shall we uh but anyway so that's the point there god wants us to resemble his son jesus he's not so much interested in the work we do even though we are prepared for works of service But do we look like Jesus? Do we look like Jesus? Do we sound like Jesus? Do we act like Jesus? So God keeps us in the trials to get rid of the crud in our hearts. Now, this is cool. It's probably one of my favorite analogies from uh, Chuck Swindoll. Okay, and this is a true story. And it kind of gives us God's purpose again. And why is he allowing these trials? And have to do with all the crud in our hearts. And he's trying to get it out. Okay, listen to this. He said this. In the northeastern United States, codfish are a big commercial business. Anybody eat codfish? Codfish? Okay. He says, but the public demand posed a problem to the shippers. Uh, At first they froze the cod, and then they shipped them elsewhere, but the freeze took away much of the flavor. Uh, So they experimented with shipping them alive in tanks of seawater, but that proved even worse. Uh, Not only was it more expensive, the cod still lost its flavor, and in addition became soft and mushy. So the texture was seriously effective. Finally, some creative person solved the problem in the most innovative manner. The codfish were placed in the tank of water along with their natural enemy, the catfish. Now, from the time the cod left the East Coast until it arrived at its westernmost destination, those ornery catfish chased the cod all over the tank. And you guessed it, when the cod arrived at the market, they were as fresh as when they were first caught. There was no loss of flavor, nor was the texture affected. If anything, they were better than before. And here's his analogy. He says, each one of us is in a tank of particular and inescapable circumstances it's painful enough to stay in the tank but in addition to our situation listen there are god appointed catfish to bring sufficient tension that keeps us alive alert fresh and growing he said it's all part of god's project to shape our character so we will be more like his son so understand christian why the catfish are in your tank understand they're part of god's method and producing character in your life and in mine interesting i I, i've said before this is why i call god the ultimate recycler he lets nothing go to waste everything not just the good times okay uh but i even learned even before i got saved he uses that stuff we talked about that before being a comfort to others but certainly even now nothing goes to waste okay sometimes those catfish they're gonna be ornery okay but god uses them uh to shape us more like uh, his son okay so now, now now knowing this knowing that listen wow this is awesome this this is a great way for God to get that crud out of my heart so that more and more as more catfish keep on coming and I keep on coming I'm going to start looking more and more like gee God is answering my prayer in a profound way and when you look forward to that and you consider it and you know it beyond a shadow of a doubt goes all over you now Woo, there you go Bobby thank God for the catfish bring the catfish on all Right. See, again, I've shared this before. Uh, You know, we think that as a Christian, becoming more like Christ is an easy procedure. Uh Uh-uh. We want to all be transformed to be more like Jesus on a bed of light, love, and grace. It doesn't work that way. It comes through the same path that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, walked. Suffering, privation, mockery, all kinds of stuff. Okay, it's the same path, okay? Next one is this, is to keep us more like Jesus, keep us from wasting our lives huh aren't you glad that after you get saved that man finally the enemy leaves you alone yeah, know. yeah, yeah right yeah. open your Bible, first corinthians chapter 10 first corinthians chapter 10 let's take a look at our text here this is our marching orders uh whether you realize it or not every single day we get out of bed this hopefully should be going through our head first corinthians chapter 10 uh verse 31 Let's take a look at it here. If you ever wonder, gee, what am I supposed to do today? God, what do you have planned for me today? What should I be praying for? What's my attitude to be as soon as I get out of bed and before I even march out that door? What is? Well, it's right here. And I think it's pretty obvious, okay? He covers all the bases there, okay? Uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 31, he simply says this, So whether you eat or drink or fill in the blank, whatever you do, do it all for yourself, because life's all about you, me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity, and that's your marching orders march for the day, as many ways as you can please yourself. That's what it is. Isn't it great to be a Christian? Wrong translation, let's read that again. Uh, do it all for the glory of who? God. Hey, you guys are like, get on the choir, man, you guys are awesome in sync, whether you realize it or not. <laughs> I gotta get a camera going this way, man, gotta, this, anyway so uh what wait a second so, so according to the bible every single day we get out of bed I mean okay so if I, I eat uh if I drink um how about just anything that's what he's saying every day when we get out of bed Christian what is to be our marching orders what's our prayer life to be about oh God uh thank you for letting me do whatever I want to do no it's God what, what do you want me what, uh, use me today uh, whether i eat or drink whatever i do god may you be glorified in this life today why because when these lives in spite of us anybody love that phrase in spite of us anybody ever pray that i pray that all the time oh god please use this life in spite of me in spite of me and he does because we're just a vessel we're a crack pot, a crack vessel but he, his powers inside of us he talks about paul says to to release this power and that we get the privilege of storing up treasure in heaven you see, we're a vessel, we're, we're a container, and God wants this container to store up treasure so that when we get to heaven, Revelation 4, we lay this treasure at the feet of the Son, Jesus Christ, woo! Isn't that, what a privilege, right? To store up treasure in heaven. Now, that's only gonna happen when your life actually does what Paul says we need to do every single day. And does your life bring glory to God? When your life brings glory to God, guess what? That's treasure, that's storing it up in heaven, Right? But here's the problem. If you guys notice that that's our mandate, that's what we want. But there's somebody out there trying to get us to not live for the glory of God, which means that even though our time here on earth could be spent doing something for the glory of God, it's not. This is what we talked before many times on the Wednesday night discipleship study, that you need to realize that after you get saved, plan A of the enemy was to keep you from getting saved. Oops, that didn't work for us sitting here today. Unfortunately, it's working for a lot of people outside, And that's why we need to share the gospel. But listen, after he gets saved, in all seriousness, he just moves to plan B. Plan B, I am firmly convinced, he cannot take away your salvation. He just moves to plan B. And plan B is to get you to do anything and everything but live for Jesus Christ. Everything, I mean this whole wicked world system, everything is designed to get you to never even think when you get out of bed, let alone out of the house, and repeat this day after day after day until you die. Do anything but live for the glory of God. What he's doing is he's stealing away the precious time that we have, the, wisp, the vapor of our lives that, that, that uh, Scripture says that is just so short. It's so tiny. We're, we're given this little bit, little bitty dash between two dates. What are you doing with your dash? Right? Your tombstone. It's going to happen unless the rapture occurs. Okay. And, uh, but what, what's going to happen? What are we doing with our lives? Right? This time here, there's only certain things that we're going to do here, this side of heaven, that we'll never do in heaven. Did you know you'll never share the gospel in heaven? Did you never that know that you're not going to be used as a vessel of God to store to treasure in heaven, to lay the feet of Jesus in heaven? Did, did you know that... W- w- do you see it? This, this is the time, the only time, the precious time. And some of us have... We all have clocks over our heads. And some of our clocks are going to expire before other people... God, the Bible says, Job 14, 5, God has determined the length of our lives and we're not given a minute longer. So here we have, praise God, we're saved. And then whatever time we got left, for the glory of God, we could store up treasure in heaven. What a way to go. And that's why God still got us here. That's why Paul says in Ephesians, not just 2, 8, and 9, but 10, he says, and he saved us by grace through faith. Why? To do the good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. But the enemy comes along and he says, no, no, do this. No, don't, don't do that. No, go over here and spend your time doing this. No, go spend your time doing that. And you wake up the next day and you're still not living for Jesus. You're born again, but you're not living for him. You're not seeking him. You're not serving him. And whatever reason, then he'll bring in uh, strife. Then he'll bring in division. He'll bring in distractions and he'll get your heart to live for the things of this world. And the next thing you know, your pastor comes in and he's reading you scripture about heaven because you're about ready to go. And praise God, you go going to heaven. But you look back, what in the world did I do? It happens that easy, okay? And, and that's what the enemy wants to do. And this is why John says, we saw this before, First John 2.15, this is why he says this, listen, pay attention. This whole world is, is a giant distraction. Boy, do we know that here in Vegas or what? But the whole world does it, right? Anything and everything to don't think about Jesus, don't live like Jesus, don't serve Jesus, don't do nothing like anything with Jesus. And he says this, First John 2.15, stop loving this evil world and all that it offers you. For when you love the world, you show that you don't have the love of the Father in you. You know what he's doing? This plan B, he is trying to get your heart away from Jesus. Because where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. And you can sit here on Sundays and say, we all play this game, we saw before, we say, oh, I love Jesus, but what are you doing the rest of the week? Where's your heart? If your heart's with him, then whatever you do, you eat or drink, whatever you do, hey, you're you're living for Jesus. Storing up treasure in heaven. But if it's not, he says, you're going to be going into the world. The enemy's seducing you away from your first love. Okay? He says, stop it. Knock it off. Don't do that. Because really what you're saying is you could sit here as as if we could ever fool God. Oh, I love you, God. You're so awesome. You're incredible. But all week long, you're really loving this world. God sees right through it. Uh, And and so what, what does God do? Okay? Well, he gets us. He allows some trials to come in. And guess what? Anybody notice this the longer you live? after going through yet another trial and another trial and another trial and this goofball messed up cursed creation and here comes another trial and another trial and another trial and pretty soon you're i'm getting tired of this world (laughs) i don't want to love it and your mind starts getting focused on better things eternal things and what we should be doing with our short time here on earth right i'm not here to call to play in the playground i'm here to call to witness I'm here to call to share the gospel. I'm here to be a part of the church growing stronger so more people can get out there and get witnessing. I'm here to be used of God to store up treasure in heaven, be in the church, outside the church, with whatever gifts he's given me. That's what it's about. Why? Because ultimately, you talk about the, this is a good word, waste. The ultimate waste of time is to spend your time on something that one day ultimately is going to blow up. Did you know that? 2 uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 10 talks about the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is going to come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Can you imagine what short little wisp of time we have left if we spent all of our time, all of our investment, our time, our treasure, our talents, our tongues, the four T's, and it was in nothing but this world and that's where we made all of our investment on something that ultimately the Bible says, boom! Well, gee, that was a waste of time, <laughs> right? That's what the enemy's trying to do with us, Christian. He can't take away your salvation. He tries to get you to do anything uh, but store up treasure in heaven. This, this is a, a, a good analogy. This is a true story. I always think of uh, uh, Boulder City over here with the uh, Hoover Dam and, uh, and the process that went through that too, so a little bit but this is a true story in maine listen to what these people did and what they were confronted with um uh, it was a, a man who had recently spent some summers in maine and he was fascinated by his companions that told of their experiences of a little town named flagstaff not arizona but in maine and listen the town was to be flooded and it was it was part of a large lake for which a dam was being built and because of this in the months before it was to be flooded all improvements and repairs in the whole town uh were stopped right Because obviously when they get the dam done, they're going to let the water, and it's going to back up, and unfortunately that town was in the path. It's going to be now underneath the lake. Okay, so listen to this. Uh, So all improvements, all repairs in the whole town were stopped many months before. Why? Well, because what was the use of painting a house if it were to be covered with water in six months? Why repair anything when the whole town was to be wiped out soon? So week after week, the whole town became, listen, more and more focused on their new location and began to invest their lives in that. Why? Because they clearly understood it was a complete waste of time and money to secure their lives in that which was soon to be destroyed. Do you know where I'm going with this? Right? How many guys would say that those townsfolk in Maine, Flagstaff, Maine, made the right logical decision? Right? Okay. Okay. Can you, now let's flip it around. Let's say they didn't do that, okay? And they ignored the news that was coming in the future. Can you imagine how miserable these people would have been if they continued to pour in all their finances, all their times into maintaining that town, maintaining their homes, and you got, I got two days before the flood water's coming. Hey, honey, let's spend 10 grand and repaint the house. Can you imagine if that's what they did? How foolish they would, And it was like, it was your own fault, man. You've been told. How many times are you going to be told? What in the world are you doing spending all your time and resources on that? Then why is it that so many Christians are likewise miserable when we don't do what the Scripture says to do? Stop living for this world. Don't you understand this world's going to blow up one day? Why would we waste all of our precious resources and not just money, but time? Our talents, our time on something that is ultimately going to be blown up so again what's God do well he allows some difficulties to come along our way and uh, we start to put a uh, a sour taste in our mouth for this world and and then we start getting focused on the world to come and how awesome it's going to be and then if we really love people we wouldn't be consumed with painting a house that's going to be destroyed in two days we get busy telling about Jesus so they could join us in this place amen so when you think about that procedure and you go whoa well uh, wow so maybe that's what God's doing with this trial And then then when you look forward to that and you consider that and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there's something really good and maybe that's the good thing that God's doing in this. Yeah, thank you, God. Oh, what, thank you for rescuing me from that. What a horrible reality would have been that I were to die and I'm taking my last breath as a Christian and I know it's my last breath and it's filled with regrets. Why did I waste my precious time here on earth? Thank you, God, for rescuing me from that horrible fate now because of these trials thank you yeah. consider pure joy you get it let's give me uh, let's do one more uh to make us more humble isn't that an exciting word humble i remember dr couch in the seminar he says the the uh humble uh the 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 harsh rendering of the word there literally means this to shave the top of the mountain off that's a good visual isn't it is what's going on. That's what happens, okay? And aren't you guys glad that uh, when it comes to humility, uh, Walmart's always running these special prices, Bobby. It's just you get a can of humility and it's just the next thing you know, um, it doesn't work that way. It's produced in you by uh, what I've learned, humiliating circumstances. Because it works like this. The moment you think you're humble, guess what? You just lost it. <laughs> okay, get it? Okay, so God produces that through humiliating circumstances. He did it with Paul. Open your Bibles to Second Corinthians chapter 12 second corinthians chapter 12 let's take a look there and uh god produced this in him and he does it with you and i today i'm fully convinced okay second corinthians chapter 12 uh verses 7 now the context here is is paul is given these surpassingly great awesome incredible revelations he was caught up to the third heaven he was told things that man don't even repeat is so awesome whatever and uh and then so you could see that wow paul's got this inside scoop he actually saw jesus a special revelation with his own eyes he's an uh, apostle of, of, that god called him uh, to do an amazing work and the missionary and the uh, light to the gentiles and he's out there with the gospel and all that stuff and then he gets all these revelations and you could see that man maybe paul could be tempted to what get a big head uh, i remember instructor said this before he says can you imagine a Paul at like a business meeting or a church meeting or a committee meeting whatever and uh in a negative sense if he wasn't a, a humble guy uh he could use this to his advantage right well listen I know that's what I know that's what you guys think and uh, all of you on the council here and um but uh, I really think we should do it this way and uh, I I know you got your own opinions but uh, you know, I hate to remind you but <laughs> I saw Jesus with my own eyes You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And I would, hey, did did you get the special revelation? I did. You know what I'm saying? You might want to listen to my input. You you could see that, right? So this is what he says, verse seven. He says, now to keep me from becoming what? Conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations. A what? A messenger of Satan. What's that? That's a demon, folks. To torment me. Okay, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, a demon to torment me. Three times I plead with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect, matured literally in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, now I get it. I see what God's doing. Even a demonic uh, tormenting thing, there's something awesome. So he, he's, he's producing this humility in me. He's keeping me from becoming conceited so I don't ruin the work that God wants me to do. He said, therefore, man, I get it. I get it, Peter. Like you said, greatly rejoice. I get it, James. Consider pure joy. Always be re- I get it. Therefore, I'm going to boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that the uh, Christ power may rest on me. That's why for Christ's sake, <laughs> I delight in weaknesses and in insults and in hardships and in persecutions and in difficulties. Why? Because this is what's happening. It's making me and in myself weak. I'm dependent upon God. He's keeping me from getting a big head. And now, boom, his grace comes fourth because god resists the proud but he gives grace to the who humble and he says what then i'm strong you get it so if we got a big head what we do whether we realize you're not christian is we are short-circuiting uh the grace of god the grace of god is what we need it's him not us his power moving through us doing great things through us but the pride uh, conceit uh will ruin and short-circuit Uh, the whole process now here's a good point it's a good thing again that we can go down to walmart or once again we just wake up every day and we just naturally become humble okay so my theory is this if god had used even with the amazing Apostle paul some humiliating circumstances okay some trials some difficulties uh uh, so that he could stay humble and probably do it with us what do you guys think yeah he does okay let me give you a couple examples i've actually had this uh Happened to me, unfortunately, a couple times. I only got time for a couple stories, but there's a bunch. <laughs> Back at the same place I was working in Bible college, right? I was having this, like, first-year Bible college student. I don't know if you guys have, unfortunately, it's, 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 I've, anyway, I went through it, and I've seen other guys go through it. It's like you, you get this mentality. The first-year Bible college student, you're Mr. Know-it-all. You're Mr. Hot I mean, you, you know more than your peers. You're you uh, you're, you're getting all this new information. me. You're, uh, you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. You're Mr. Walking Bible. You need to start your own radio show. You're so awesome. Just after a year, right? It just kind of seems to go with the territory. Okay, anyway, so that's, that's where I was at, right? And so I'm at my workplace. And so uh, I, I'm witnessing to my fellow coworkers, completely anti-Christian environment. And uh, sure enough, a guy uh, came up to me and was asking some spiritual questions. So that's right, Mr. Know-it-all was answering his questions. And every single one of them, by the way, It was so awesome, right? Uh, No objections I could not uh, uh, answer. And uh, to keep me from becoming conceited, okay, here's what happened. Uh, We had this lengthy conversation as I was answering all his uh, uh, questions. Now, but before we started that conversation, it was at a warehouse. It was really dusty, okay? And so uh, I was blowing my nose from all the dust and stuff, whatever, and whatever. Anyway, so that was before the conversation. So now I'm having the conversation. And so after I finished the conversation, I go into the restroom, and I discover right there Big old piece of Kleenex, man, hanging out my nose right there. I mean, I go, man, come on, are you serious? That thing was lodged in my nostril the whole time Mr. Hotshot, know it all, Bible college guy, was having this conversation with this guy. And here I was that he was being attentive and listening to my answers because they were so awesome when he was probably staring at that piece of Kleenex. Okay? And i was doing that whole thing. And, and uh, have you ever noticed that before? Right? I, 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 you'll never see this on a Hallmark card. But after this experience, I'm convinced. True friends tell friends when they got a nose cracker. You know what I'm saying? You don't let it just, whatever. Anyway, so that was, and so that was just, you know, I just kind of just dude, calm down with your attitude. I will humble you just like that. Right? If you don't knock down. Let me give you just one more example. and We're going to have to close. And this was at uh, my high school reunion. Okay, and it was like two years after I got uh, 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 saved, and they are just, uh, you know, brand new, married, and still in Bible college and stuff, and, you know, and uh, so I go to my, I fly back to Kansas, and uh, I thought, man, I'm going to show these people, because I'm the former ex-headbanger, drug addict, section, more mail show, this pig guy, and all that stuff, and I'm going to go back there, and show them, you know, uh, you know, you know, what God's doing, so I'm getting a little conceited, and God was faithful, he had other plans, now let me set you a scene for you, okay, uh, I was on the plane, I was all decked out, in my new white shirt, white shorts, White socks and white shoes. I was sharp. I was looking and happening. So I thought. Okay, the stewardess, this is back when they gave us uh, meals on the plane. And uh, uh, one of the things that they had was this uh, uh, plastic container with this purple yogurt. I don't know if it was a blueberry or whatever, right? On it. And you know where I'm going. And so to keep me from becoming conceited, because I'm ready, man. I'm, as soon as that plane lands, Mr. Hotshot, he's going to witness his whole high school. Yeah, Mr. Rebel, he's back, you know. But he's a Christian now, you know. You know and so I, I, I opened that goofball thing, and it exploded all over my white attire. I mean, everywhere. It just went boom, right over there on the plane. All right. And then, of course, uh, the rest of the flight involved people staring at me like a, I had an eating disorder. I got in a fight with Barney the purple dinosaur and lost, apparently, with his blood all over me or whatever. I don't know what it was. But anyway, so but God wasn't done yet because I wasn't humbled. I'm still on my, I got my plan right. As the plane landed, okay, uh, and we came to a halt, I bent down. I had my briefcase down underneath there. And uh, the plane that, well, when I was bending down to get it, to keep me from becoming conceited, as I bent down way down here, the food tray popped down. So when I came back up, it hit the corner of my eye right here, instantly gave me a black eye. So now it really looks like I lost the battle with Barney the Purple Dinosaur, and his blood's all over me, and he gave me a black eye. And I still wasn't done, because I'm not cracked yet, man. I'm still on a mission. Okay, I'll figure out how to get rid of this black eye and whatever. And so I'm walking through the airport. And uh, I, uh, I, we get into, the, we had a rental car, but we took the shuttle over there to the rental car. And um, so I, we sat way in the back there and the overhead with the luggage uh, uh, rack. And uh, we're on our way uh, to there. Uh, but to keep me from getting conceited, as soon as we landed there, uh, I, I forgot about the overhead luggage rack. And so we're in a hurry, right, trying to get out. And so I went, i just charged out there, and went crack and cracked the top of my head, big old mm-hmm. bump on it right there. And finally, I kid you not, I said, I knew what got, it took three times, man. I got beat up by Barney real bad with a black eye and his blood was all over me and I got a giant bump on my head and I kid you and I said, okay, Lord, I'm humbled now. I get it. Would you please forgive me? I've been filled with pride. Okay. Now, listen, if God has to use a bump on your head, a black eye and a beating from Barney, the purple dinosaur, he's going to do it. Paul was actually allowed to have a demon uh, torment. Him. Okay. But it kept him in check. Okay? And sometimes, listen Christian, maybe it is uh, uh, to make us more like Jesus. Maybe it is to keep us from wasting our lives. Maybe it's the perseverance that Paul mentions here, or James mentions here in the text. Maybe it's the smelting furnace. Okay, But maybe it's also to keep us from ruining God's work that he wants to do in us. He's got a great plan for each one of us. That's what the Bible says. The good works he's prepared in advance for us to do. But if we get a big head... Okay, and if we don't maintain a humble attitude, it's going to short-circuit the power of God. And even though we have the potentiality, it's like somebody just unplugged us from the wall outlet. It's not going to happen. And so maybe sometimes our circumstances are meant to humble us to stop getting a big head so that we could still move forward and be used of Jesus with what time we have left. Now, when you consider that, when you look forward to that, and when you're absolutely gnosko-convinced, experiential knowledge that, man, I, man, these are starting to stack up and we still got a little ways to go. The, uh, there is something good in this. There has to be because God is good, which means everything he does is good. And then you realize that, not just in the good times, but even in the trials, you could start to go, hey, I get it now. Consider it pure joy. Greatly rejoice. I got it. Because not even this instance is going to waste. God is using it for something fantastic because he loves me and he's trying to give me a wonderful gift. Isn't that awesome? Lord, next week we'll pick up uh, where we left off. Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that,